Hi, my name's India. This is Be More Orca, Buck the Menopause. Now, I'm not a medic, or an expert, or a celebrity. I'm just going through it myself. I was totally blindsided by my symptoms. I knew nothing about this stage of my life. And then I discovered neither did any of my friends. So I'm on a mission to find out everything I can, explore every avenue to help us manage our symptoms and get our lives back on track. Exercise can seem like just another thing to add to our ever-increasing to-do list, and menopausal symptoms can make it seem daunting and we just end up putting it off. I'm talking to personal trainer Nikki Faldo, who chose to specialise in peri- to post-menopause health after seeing how it was affecting her clients, about how vital movement is in all its forms. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for coming and talking to me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me here. Now, you've been a personal trainer for 27 years, you were saying, but you've recently just started to specialise in peri to post-menopause. What made you want to start helping women at this stage of their lives? It was approximately about six to seven years ago now. And I think as I've got older in the industry and also my clients have also got older as well. And seeing and hearing the women who I was training with, with problems that they were experiencing and, and just seeing a lot of emotion and upset and really not knowing how to help them was quite tough. So that inspired me and it also made me look back to thinking about when I was young and seeing my mum go through things that I didn't click was the menopause. So things started to click in place and I looked into it and I found an extremely amazing course and yeah, certified as post menopausal coach, basically. So covering fitness, nutrition, wellness, you know, just a whole perspective of it, basically. It's amazing. I didn't realise courses like that existed. And that was a personal trainer's course? No, no. This was for any kind of health professional, really. So I, I have since connected with other ladies that have done the course who are beauticians, massage therapists, therapists, physiotherapists you know it really is such good awareness for any women treating women I'm really encouraged that that is out there for people to take opportunity of it's fantastic what we're going to be focusing on today is exercise yes it's one of those topics that makes us go oh yeah we should be doing that and especially menopausally I know that I have upped my exercise in the last two years way more than I was previously and certainly in my 20s and 30s. My 20 and 30 year old self would laugh at me now. <laughs> but it's really important, isn't it, that we we start now? Yes. Yeah. There's plenty of things that happen in perimenopause and some before, which I'm sure we'll come on to, that would encourage us to stop moving when in fact it's a time where we really need to start. Even if we haven't been moving yet, you know, even if you hated sport at school and I meet and work with women like this all the time. Yeah. Hands up. I hated sport. 
<laughs> yes, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going to like exercise, but it's a totally different thing. And there's always different ways of, of moving. I don't even like to call it exercise anymore because that word just sets people off straight away. And, you know, it can be quite negative. So moving, we call it moving, different types of moving. So, yes, so many reasons, psychologically, physically, biologically, just is so, so important. And there's a lot of worry behind that. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of fear to be fair, of, well, how, how am I going to do this? When I type in fitness on the internet, all I see is young people jumping on high objects and lifting heavy weights and hanging from things and <laughs> they're on trampolines. I mean, geez, if you know, if you've never exercised and that's what you saw, you'd just be like, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what would you suggest then as a starting point for someone who hasn't exercised either in a long time or hasn't exercised at all? And they might be finding it, as you say, a bit daunting. Yeah. What would you say is a good starting point? I think if someone's not doing anything at all and they have a stationary job and, you know, in the evenings are stationary, something like a walk, tasking yourself a walk for 15 minutes each day is going to make a difference to you. We can then go into looking at basic body weight movements that would just be focused around your quality of life. So how easy do you find it to get out of a chair? realistically so low sofa even or a beanbag or you know depending on what what you sit on or when you go out and there's different chairs can you reach the bottom shelf in the supermarket confidently without having to go oh god I don't know if I can get down there but this is where we need to start because I think often as well again with with the marketing around fitness we see what we should be looking like as well as a fit person and you know we go straight into that exercise because that's what everyone that looks like that does but we haven't built the groundwork Again, especially if we haven't been moving in a programmed, progressive way throughout life, things in menopause such as joint and muscle and bone health can mean that that can be quite difficult. So to rush into anything too intense, too advanced, if you like, is just going to be a bad experience. And I've seen it so much. I've experienced it myself <laughs> so much, even as a, as a coach. So, you know, it's about thinking, what do I need to get out of this? Can I carry my own body weight? Can I support my own body weight? Can I get up off the floor unaided? Am I comfortable putting my shopping away on my own? Do I need help doing that? I think that's a good place to start. And what type of exercise? I get ask this all the time by women going, oh, if you're talking on the pod about exercise, what should I be doing now? If you have been exercising, do we need to change the exercise we're now doing as we go into 40s and 50s? And hopefully, for me, part of the reason that I'm starting to exercise more is I want to progress into moving in my 60s and 70s. That's the goal, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it depends what you've been doing, of course, but I'll give you a typical scenario. So women who potentially have been doing quite a bit of high intensity exercise so maybe hit classes spinning classes running I'm, I'm not saying any of those are bad but what happens is cortisol can be a bit more prominent throughout menopause for many reasons not just the biological side just life and and what's happening to us at that time of life yeah that's the stress hormone isn't it cortisol absolutely yeah and essentially too much high intensity can just add to that. We'll come on to high intensity a bit more, but high intensity interval training, but too much and we're just flooding the system, essentially. So that could interrupt sleep, that could interrupt your nourishment, 
So how, how your body's absorbing food. There's a lot that can be altered in menopause due to hormonal changes. But essentially, when it comes to exercising, we definitely, definitely want to prioritize strength work. And I don't mean you have to be powerlifting, et cetera, et cetera. Just again, coming back to starting with, can you support your own body? Well, great. Let's add a bit more resistance. So weights, resistance bands, you know, it, again, you don't have to have a home gym to be able to do it. Simple dumbbell, kettlebell, even bottles of water. Sometimes I work with ladies who just start with things like that um, and progress. And before they decide if they want to purchase any uh, home home equipment, shall we say. But um, strength work is particularly important because... Obviously, like you said, it prolongs longevity with life and quality of life. Joint health can be affected throughout menopause and it's not going to protect us from things like osteoarthritis, unfortunately. But the stronger the muscles are around that joint, the better we're going to be able to deal with it. So definitely strength work. We touched on HIT high-intensity interval training. That is great, and it's proven the studies show throughout menopause it's very effective. However, literally, if you're going to do HIIT, high-intensity interval training, it should be just that. And I think there's a lot of marketed classes out there at the moment that are high-intensity interval training. We're going to do it for 45 minutes. Yeah, no, that is just, one, not possible if you're pushing yourself to a kind of limit, but it shouldn't be. And two, it's too much. It's too much for menopause, again, too stressful. So by high-intensity interval training, you mean doing, say, 45 seconds of one sort of squat and then a slight rest and then 45 seconds of a push-up or something like that? Absolutely, yeah. And it doesn't even have to be strength work. Essentially, we want to raise the heart rate. That's what we're looking to do. If we can involve more muscles, happy days because you're you're kind of killing two birds, as I say. But we could jog on the spot and literally shadow box for 30 seconds. That's going to raise your heart rate. We have a rest for 10, 15 seconds so you don't get too much recovery. And again, these time frames would vary depending on what level you're at. And then we will go again, like you said, so there might be some bicycles, ab exercise on the floor or whatever. Pair two exercises, do it for 30 seconds, rest for 10 to 15 30 seconds, rest for 10 to 15, four to five times, there's your hit. And that is enough to do. You don't need to be doing any longer than 20 minutes. No, no, no. If, you, if you're looking for hit training, you know, strength training will generally take longer. So what's the difference then? So strength training wouldn't be high intensity. Strength training is we're aiming to get stronger. And so repetitions and sets is something that you might hear. We're going to do 15 of these. Let's talk about squat. We're going to do 15 squats and then we're going to rest. And then we're going to do 15 squats and then we're going to rest. Okay. If we are just starting out, we might be doing 15 squats body weight. We then might do a band row for 15. We then might do a wall press for 15. You know, so the intensity is not very high, but we're doing a lot of what we call volume. And we're just starting to get the muscles working and learning the movements, etc. As we start to progress and we get stronger, we have something that's called overload which is pretty much what it says. So if we'd been doing a routine for about four weeks and you were fine and your recovery is looking okay and you're enjoying it, we might say, okay, we're going to take the repetitions down to 10, but I'm going to give you a weight to hold. And therefore you might need longer recovery in between the sets. That's a very simple example of how you might progress strength-wise. Mobility is very important when it comes to strength as well. This is going to sound like there's so many aspects, but what I will say is that if you have a good workout that is focused for menopausal women, then 
you will have mobility in that workout. You will have a strength focus and you will have a hip focus. You don't have to worry about, oh, that's like six workouts a week. I've got to try and figure out how to get over this diary. You can put them all into the same bucket and, and do it at once. And you bring me to how many times a week should we be doing that? Okay, so strength exercise, a minimum twice a week. Especially if you're just starting out, that's going to be enough. Ideally spread out in the week. So you've got a couple of days recovery in between each session. Hit the same. And again, with mobility, hopefully it would be added into that session. Just a bit stretching at the end. But something like yoga, that relaxation side of it is also really important in the whole wellness bubble as well. Stress and recovery is, is something I focus on a lot with my clients. Exercise is great. If you're not having the balance on the other end and giving yourself downtime, again, you're not going to see results. Because it's quite easy and I find myself doing it. I've got quite into exercise and I like it. I feel I'm ticking the box. I'm doing little 18 minutes. I presume they'd be hits. You do little and often and then you rest in between and you sort of push it hard and then rest. But I find you think, oh, maybe I should be doing it every day then. But are the rest days as important as the days? 100% recovery, I would say, is where the real magic happens. It's not during the workout. It will make you feel good, the workout, but sleep and resting is where the magic happens a lot of the time, especially hormonally. So yes, it is very important. The same goes as for doing hit too long, too much hit too often, too stressful on the body, not just joint wise, but heart rate wise and hormonal wise. If you work out every day, if you've got to that level, you can work out every day. But what you would then do is you might do a lower body workout one day and an upper body the next so that you're alternating and giving those muscle groups time to recover in between. And should exercise be more than losing weight? I know women, we always focus on the goal is lose weight, lose weight. As we get older, are there other things we should be focusing on? Oh, there's many, many, many. In fact, it comes far down the list for me, just with the clients I work with. It's always there when we start talking, you know, and it's like, yeah, I'd like to lose weight. But once you get into that conversation of what else is happening, How's menopause treating you? Once you start talking about all the benefits that movement can bring to all those other challenges that are going on, it starts to go down in the pile. And we talk about longevity, quality of life, children. If you've got young children, you know what the next 20 years are going to look like, grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. And it, yeah, it becomes a byproduct almost. It happens. I have a couple of clients where they were particularly using a previous weight loss method for a long, long time of their life, a long time. So getting out of those patterns of constantly weighing in, calorie counting, takes time. But when it happens, it's like a newfound freedom. The weight loss has still happened but they want to get strong now. <laughs> There's a new animal coming out. <laughs> Your thing is ditch the scales, isn't it? 100%. We should all just ditch the scales and it's about how you feel and how you look. A lot of the time on diets, you don't feel good anyway because you're constantly number crunching. You're constantly counting, weighing, counting. No one can really be happy doing that, I don't believe. Listen, weight loss needs to be a priority for health reasons if that's an issue, 100%. But change the focus and you just see the results. I will 100% stick by that because that's what works for my clients. And they're no longer saying, I lost five pounds in the last two weeks. They're saying, I went to my allotment at the weekend and did a whole weekend of gardening and nothing hurt. 
So I feel like I'm about 25 again. And I actually carried all the stuff out of the garden centre with the lad that offered to help following me. You know, it's things like that. And, and that is just so much better. There's more to life than how much you actually weigh. And it's funny, isn't it, when you think about it? How heavy are you shouldn't be a marker of how healthy you are. Exactly. And menopausally as well, I think things like our energy levels, our sleep, whether we're moving well, whether we're feeling mentally, suddenly the focus comes down on those, doesn't it? Because for me personally, it was the first time all of those fell apart and I thought, what's going on? And so that's why this time of my life made me go, actually, I need to think about this next chapter and how strong and healthy I'm going to be going forward. And as you said, I've got kids later. You have kids later, don't you? Absolutely. (laughs) You suddenly think, oh yeah, I'm going to be a useless granny. No, this is it. It is so, so important. And you could be the most disciplined person ever and you could be getting your workouts in, you're ticking the boxes, as we say, you're eating well, You're getting your macros and your protein and your carbs and everything's hunky-dory. If you're not sleeping because your hormones, something's changing, that is all in vain almost. When it comes to the coaching that I do, exercise is one part of it. It's exercise, nourishment, mindset, and of course, recovery. And exercise helps with sleep though, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's going to improve your sleep quality and your ability. And again, there's there's different types. If you're stressing the body out by doing too much, then it's going to probably stress your sleep out because we want our certain hormones such as cortisol to not be prominent when we go to bed. We want it to be there nice and early in the morning so that it helps us get out of bed and feel like we want to attack the day, but not at night. If there's too much going on, too much stress in the body going on, we're going to struggle to sleep. And would you recommend exercising in the morning then for that? Yeah. I mean, or is it just about fitting it in wherever it fits into your lifestyle? Oh, do you know what? It's fitting it in. I work with nurses, shift work, you know, and for me to say, no, you've got to exercise at this time, it's just not going to work. And it's not necessary. Movement is going to have a positive effect where it fits in for you. I have a lady that does 10 minute moves because that's all that works for her, but it's enough. She's able to enjoy the effects of that. And also, it's what's the other option? Nothing. Yeah, better to do little and often than just say, oh, well, I can't possibly fit it in. Absolutely. Because I used to think that, that thing of, well, there's no point in doing 10 minutes or 15 minutes because I need to do like a massive gym session for 40 minutes. And yeah, <laughs> not, not that I ever did. <laughs> and therefore, then you go, oh, well, I can't do that today. Whereas I really love what you're saying about the idea of actually fitting it around life It's just about maybe parking the car a bit further away or taking the stairs. Yeah, this is it. Five minutes at your desk and setting that alarm. We all have that alarm on all these fancy health trackers and stuff that says you haven't moved for an hour, you know, get up. Um, (laughs) Instead of just getting up and having a walk, why not do 10 chair squats? Why not do 10 wall presses? Once you learn how simple good movement can be and how effective it can be, it's almost like, oh, okay, I can fit this in. You know, I don't need to get to that class. I don't need to log on and be here at a certain time. I think those things can just set us up for failure. And once we're in that failure mindset of, I didn't do that today, so I've already failed, so I might as well. Have a massive cream cake. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, again, it comes back to some of those old diet cultures, some of those diet cultures that are still there now, some of those exercise. I must 
exercise if I've eaten too many calories. One that still frustrates me, let's just say. <laughs> okay, so you don't adhere to the, you have to have a calorie deficit, you've got to burn off your calories. Absolutely. That's just simple math. You know, if I'm eating 2000 calories a day, but my BMR, my basal metabolic rate and my activity levels are low, then yeah, I'm probably going to gain some weight. And same on the other side, if I'm not fueling my body enough, but I'm over exercising, I'm going to get some issues as well. However, there's a lot more than just calories involved in there when it comes to exercise. Your body needs calories for other things. It needs things to live, breathe, sleep well. You know, we just think that we must exercise all the time. Otherwise, we're not burning any calories, taking the dog for a walk, doing housework, playing with the kids, thinking, you know, we need energy to do all that stuff. So yes, absolutely, it is a part of it. Move more, eat less. But again, that can create some really negative behaviours. And you were saying about the importance of protein for muscle development. And I think women, we have a muscles gives you a bit of a like, oh, do I want muscles? I don't want to get bulky. Yeah, I don't want chunky <laughs> calves. I want to look nice in a skirt. <laughs> so talk us through muscles not being Schwarzenegger. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for starters, muscle growth to grow muscles is really hard work. Ask any guy that's been trying to do that. I know men are different animals, but it's hard work either side. And Unless you're on some, you know, serious supplements, should we say. <laughs> but um, when we are about 30, 32, sarcopenia starts, which is muscle wastage. So the muscle density starts automatically. All right. That's just part of aging. So before perimenopause and muscles are our building blocks, essentially. So when you have protein, protein is made up of amino acids, which are the building blocks of our bodies. And also it doesn't get stored as easily as fat does. Fat is also a good energy source, should I say. And fat can be demonised when it actually is really hormone friendly, if you like. So that's another thing we could uh, talk about. But um, yeah, protein, especially important to promote muscle health. So if you think about that starts at 32, by the time we might get to 50, 55, we've probably lost a decent percentage of our muscle mass. If we're ensuring that we're eating good levels of protein and fueling with carbs and stuff is important as well. Moving well, so promoting muscles, mass through strength work and again, just body work. Our metabolism is going to be healthier. The better your lean muscle mass the healthier your metabolism, all right? So it is a myth where we're like, I don't want to get big and bulky. That is going to take some serious, serious discipline and work to happen, especially as a woman. I think that comes from past diet fitness cultures of women. We should look dainty and slim. Like, you know, we need to be looked after potentially. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. changing now. You know, it's changing a while ago. But saying that, our body shape is our body shape. And I always encourage women to get behind that, be the best that they can be, work with what we've got. And if you've got larger calf muscles, you've got larger calf muscles. I've always had very broad shoulders. So has my mum. I did a lot of swimming when I was growing up. I'm never going to be dainty around the shoulders. But, you know, again, I think it's about getting comfortable in menopause. And I know it's been almost like a, a real eye-opener for me. And it's hard work with the fatigue and everything, but I absolutely love who I am. I cannot begin to tell you if you can really start to be more comfortable with who you are. It's amazing. 
and you will find this strength that is not just physical, it is mental. And you will love every minute of it, I promise you. That's amazing. I love that. And getting back to the protein and muscles, is it true? I see a lot of these workouts that say you carry on burning fat after your workout. The more lean muscle you have, you become a fat burning machine, they say. (laughs) That's a very nice thing to hear. You think, is that true? Yeah. Essentially. So if you concentrate on muscles, you will just be burning fat? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's all you're going to be doing. Yeah, burning. no, obviously. All I the time. Yeah, as I say, more lean muscle will improve your metabolism. And essentially, if you've got a healthier metabolism, your body is going to utilise the fuel you put in it better. So you're less likely to hold on to fat. You were talking about we shouldn't demonise all fats as well. And I think people have started to realise there are good fats and bad fats. And we need fats, don't we? And we need carbs. Yeah. Fats is a good energy source. I mean, if you think back to caveman kind kind of thing, fats and protein, there wasn't really carbs around. And, you know, it it can become a bit keto and we talk about keto diets and and even Atkins uh, back in the day. But essentially, carbs are important for energy. 100% if you're exercising, you should be eating carbs. There's no doubt about it. Um, You should be eating carbs even if you're not exercising. But as we go into menopause, there's been quite a few studies that show that good fats, so high fats, oils, nuts, avocados, things like that, really, really help within weight loss and also lowering the carbs. But also we've got brain health, we've got digestive health, you know, nervous system, hormone balance, low fat diets. And I still work with ladies now who are saying, I buy fat free yogurt, get the yogurt that's got the good fat in it, because you know, it's there, it's there for a reason. But as always, you know, it's important to have a balance. And always look at your plate, and see what's on it and cut it into those slices. Have I got a slice of protein? Have I got a slice of carbs? Have I got some fibre and and good fats? And if we're talking about hormones and hormone balancing, can exercise balance our hormones? I mean, I've seen a fair few things on Instagram recently saying hormone balancing workouts. And you think, well, can can that be right? Mm. Balancing hormones is is a word we hear. We want them to be balanced. You know, we're all calm and we're all happy when our hormones are balanced. But actually, hormones aren't static things. Hormones are messages that are always being sent. So it's hard to balance them. And actually, we want them to be reactive. We want them to be working when they need to be. So yeah, interesting term that there's always used there. Yeah. Workouts. Do certain workouts help with balancing hormones? As we've already talked about cortisol, that's an important one. So I'm not going to touch on that. But there is a lot of marketing out there at the moment that does bring up even things like growth hormone. This workout is going to stimulate your growth hormone. Yeah, human growth hormone is constantly, and that's meant to make you look younger, and it's the Peter Pan hormone. And it took me a while when I first saw these adverts end of last year and I was just like why on earth are they referring to the growth hormone the growth hormone is actually released a lot when you're asleep for starters and when we're in menopause and we can become a bit more insulin resistant that can affect growth hormone as well but without getting too sciencey when we're having a workout yeah it can be released but there's no particular workout that's going to do it more for you you could go for a walk it depends who you are what's going on in your body what stage of menopause you might be at what your lifestyle 
smells like, how you're eating, how you're sleeping. This is why it's just not as simple, to be quite honest. And you probably notice in my tone, it does frustrate me because exactly like you said, what's growth hormone? Where else do we see it? in rejuvenation techniques and keeping people young. They're just picking up on this one thing and going, this workout's going to stimulate your growth hormone, which is going to make you look younger for longer. And it does make me a little bit angry (laughs) because it is preying on a vulnerability. And to be quite honest, it's wrong. I will go as far as just saying it's not correct information at all. And it's wrong. As you say, it's preying on that menopausal, what do I want? What do you need? You want to look younger. And actually, we need to break away from that and think about getting stronger and keeping mobile. A hundred percent. At the moment, I think my thing about getting strong and getting healthy is also coloured by seeing my dad and he's in the, going into the demise of dementia and he's slowly going and he's only 78. And I think I need to be better than that when I'm 78. And so I think that is a that's a much better driver, isn't it? The idea that I want to be healthy rather than I need to be thin or I need to look young. I want to be healthy going into the next 40 years of my life. Independence is priceless, right? My worst thought, and I'm sure it's the same for most of us, is losing that. The worst thing about getting older would be for me to lose independence. And so I want to promote that for as long as possible. Obviously, you've got the physical side of that when it comes to exercise. But mentally, you know, dementia is talked about in menopause and, oh, God, the brain fog, no, is it dementia? And it's really scary. It's really, really scary because, again, we're told that the onset of dementia is a much higher percentage of menopause. But actually what's happening is the hormones are changing and your brain is being affected and trying to find a different way of working. So it's not always, oh, my God, this is it. This is the onset of dementia. Movement helps with our cognitive function, brain function. If we take an example of a lady, perhaps, I don't know, 50 years old, just hit menopause, never done any movement before, never done any strength work before, for example. If we start teaching the movement pattern of a squat or a press-up, let's just pick two really well-known movements. The brain has to tell the body in our motor, motor skills, motor functions. So the brain that sends the message to the hips to push the hips back, to the knees to bend. You know, there's a lot going on. We take it for granted, but there's a lot going on. That brain's having to learn that new movement pattern with different cues. So make sure your shoulders are relaxed, da da da, da lot going on there's a lot firing in that brain at that time so we're training the brain at the same time and that can really keep it healthy that's brilliant you see you don't think about that yeah learning a new routine or learning how to do something is firing up your synapses so actually helping with your cognitive function as well as all the physical benefits of actually doing the action yeah and again you know this is why we feel so good afterwards because our body has had a workout not just our muscles not just have bones we're not just jumping on the scales afterwards we're going yes you know I'm testing myself in more ways than one here and then you know let's say you've got squats down it's three months later and you could probably do them in your sleep well let's hope you're not doing them in your sleep but you know what I mean (laughs) rest rest yeah (laughs) Yeah, recover (laughs) but if we started then loading and giving you a barbell or a dumbbell whatever it is we're going to choose then we would have to learn that again because your body's going to respond in different ways your muscles have to work in different ways so again it kind of never ends there's always something new to learn when it comes to movement and you just touched on it then bone health because I think that's a big one isn't it with osteoporosis so yes so again 
something that can be very common in menopause. Where the bone loses its density, and there's different things we can do to help with that. Osteopenia, osteopenia is the earlier stages of osteoporosis. Even osteoporosis can actually be reversed. So if you had a diagnosis, one of my clients had that a few years ago, osteopenia, also gone through a triple prolapse, uh, so lots of pelvic surgery going on there. So we had a definite strong why. (laughs) Why do you want to do this? You know, now she's a trainer. She was 50 when she came to me and now she was like, I think I want to do this too. Wow. Yeah, amazing lady. I talk about her a lot on my page. Yeah, so we can reverse it by putting forces, so muscles pull on bones, and create different forces within the bone. So by doing that, we're encouraging the bone to become more resilient and therefore it can get stronger and rejuvenate itself. Vitamin D, obviously, good diet, dairy, calcium is also very important. And I'm going to say it again, recovery is huge. (laughs) Again, that's where all the magic happens is when we're asleep. All these things are happening. People talk about load-bearing exercises and things like that. Yes. Is that running? Should you be pounding against the bones to strengthen them? Or what should you be doing to help with bone density? If we think about the forces, like I've just mentioned, that you can place on a bone, those can be different. So it could be a muscle pulling on the bone during a squat. And again, keep coming back to that because it's an easy example. It could be stepping up, stepping down, you know, putting some force impact through the bone and everything in between to going for a run. So yes, going for a run provides impact. Running's an interesting one because again, if you get to menopausal age and it's something you've never done and you're like, well, I've got to start moving, so I'm going to start running. Happy days. Let's go to couch 5k, something like that. See how you get on. Very sensible way of doing it. But, you know, again, jumping in and going, right, I've got to run for half an hour. I mean, fair play to you if you can run for half an hour straight off the bat when you haven't been doing it because I'm a terrible runner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting you should mention couch to 5k because I did that in lockdown because I realized I was becoming a very angry mummy (laughs) and I'd given up running. I used to run in my 20s and 30s and hated it, actually. I used to do it because I felt I needed to do it. And I always thought, when am I going to enjoy this? <laughs> actually, in my 30s, I thought, I'm just going to stop and I'm going to start doing yoga because I like yoga and I might do that a bit more. But then when it came to lockdown, I thought, I have to I have to get out of the house. I have to have half an hour to myself where no one is saying, mummy, mummy, mummy at me. And so I did the couch to 5K. And it was brilliant because I managed to, having gone from an absolute couch potato, not done anything because I had children, to in like eight weeks or something, I managed to run 5K, you know, not very fast, but 5K and without any aches or pains or injury. And I think that's the important thing, isn't it? If you're starting to do something, there's no point in going hell for leather and then doing your knees in and then not being able to do it. And Couch to 5K is a perfect example of that. It's very progressive. It's very sensible. You've got recovery days. You know, it's not, okay. I need to run every day now. It gets longer as you go and it gets more intense as you go, like overloading with the weights. Couch to 5K is great because it's there, it's free. Anyone can grasp it, really. When it comes to weight training, it's a similar concept. You know, programming, for example, so how many weight training sessions should I be doing a week? How many here? And what else should I be doing outside of that? Not a lot. If you don't want to, that's enough. As long as you're walking, if you know, if you take the dog for a walk, happy days, you're getting some cardiovascular exercise in. But um, yeah, I think it's it has to be progressive. You should never really be in pain. You know, I have clients who 
goodness, hip replacements, spinal fusions, really bad traumatic surgeries, you know, all sorts going on there. So yeah, we can expect some pain and some discomfort, but it's very important that we've always got an option to work with, always. You know, my husband's a physio and it's fantastic to have him on my team because I I have that little bit of extra knowledge around. But um, there can be some discomfort, but you know, if you're having trouble going to the toilet the next day because you can't sit on the toilet. (laughs) It's probably a sign to say that was too much too soon. So you should have a good ache, but not, yeah. I've done yoga classes where I've like literally had to sort of ease myself down (laughs) holding (laughs) onto the base of the next day going, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I can relate to that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only human. (laughs) But you were also saying that if the idea of jumping around seems too daunting, then you can do what you were talking about compound movements that were many muscle groups and have the same effect. When we spoke about HIT and what effect we were looking for there, we were looking at intensity. We wanted to get a bit of high intensity movement, short burst. The easiest way to do that really is by jumping around or, you know, running or sprinting or something like that. Probably what we're not going to want to do in menopause for various reasons, not always the case. So what we can do is do something like a squat and a press above the head, squat and a press, even with a cushion, doing that really quickly for 30 seconds. Do it and tell me that wasn't high intensity. So what you're doing is you're not having to create too much impact, but you're using quads, you're using hamstrings, you're using glutes, you're using back, you're using core, shoulders, arms, so many muscle groups. Your heart's going to have to work harder to deliver oxygen to those muscles to work. So your heart rate goes up, the intensity is high. So there is different ways of doing it. And of course, you've also added a little bit of a strength focus too. And I loved your thing of instead of thinking about what you need to stop doing, you should start to think about what you can add into your daily routine to make it a positive mindset. Yes, mindset is huge. We can feel a little bit out of control. And I know from my own experience with the fatigue that I've experienced throughout early perimenopause. So you were saying your perimenopause caused you massive fatigue. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, am I getting flu? kind of fatigue you know wow. or doing constantly doing covid tests because i'm like this yes. is this covid and it's a bit erratic it still is to be honest but then that's perimenopause yeah. isn't it nothing's uh, routine in perimenopause and yeah it would be okay well i've slept well i have eaten well i've moved i've even turned the intensity down a bit because you know this is happening and i'm i'm realized that that's probably needed so i, I still can't function I couldn't even think about seeing a client because my brain can't function either. Yeah, so I was going to say this must have affected your work. If you're too fatigued, how can you be a personal trainer? I mean, I'm lucky because I have menopausal (laughs) menopausal women around me. So when I say, you know, I'm struggling a bit, it doesn't happen to that extent too often. And also when it did start happening, I was like, okay, let me have some bloods done. Let me see what I can improve on and food-wise, etc. And we all have to make changes. We're not machines. It doesn't matter. You know, I've exercised throughout my whole life but my body is changing and to somewhat that is out of my control what my hormones are doing at the moment and that can be really tough to take mentally because you can kind of go into that frame of mind well I'm getting old or I'm a bit of a a control freak myself so (laughs) 
<laughs> my husband would say. Um, so for me, it's about having to go, okay, I'm not going to be able to control that then. Let's just see what I can do around it to make it better. And that's getting better. You know, I'm learning about how to help myself more as these changes start to happen. And I think when it comes to the mindset of this is what you need to stop doing. Well, I don't want to stop doing that. I really enjoy that. But actually, what about starting to do this instead? Oh, okay. Well, that could be quite good. Oh, I'm not allowed to have potatoes because I'm on this low-carb diet. Okay, well, what about if you switch to sweet potatoes? Various reasons. Not demonising potatoes, never demonising food. But, you know, some of the questions I get, I, I can't have that because... I can't do that because what can we do? What are we going to do? And the reason that we look at that is because I have so many women, unfortunately, coming to me telling me how much they dislike themselves. And it's heartbreaking. And I've partially been there myself when you, you know, you feel like you're a bit out of control and nothing you're doing is working. However, it's about finding the new best version of you yet. Not that you need to change, you don't, but we just need to think about relearning learning about what's happened to us. Knowledge is power, not just buying a metabolic workout off of uh, Facebook and, and thinking because someone's, you know, using clever words that that's what we need and that's going to solve all my problems. Look at what credentials those, those people have got. Look at where they're getting their information from and if it's true and focus on you, not what other people are telling you you should be doing and what you should look like and how you should be eating. And listening to your own body as you were doing, learning what's good for you and what works for you. And would you recommend going and getting a personal trainer? I know that's a very daunting, people think, oh, well, that's just for the uber rich, but actually group training, because that's what I do. I have a, a friend of mine who's a personal trainer where I live, and there are five of us that go and do it. And that makes it much more reasonable for an hour. And I noticed on your Instagram, you had seemed to be about 30 women in your group. <laughs> They're multiplying. <laughs> I started that group shortly after I had my son. You know, it's one of those visions you've always had and I had a very good friend that runs that place and I was like I'm gonna do it I actually put menopause in really big writing on the big sign that I got printed and the response was amazing it's like I can't believe you've had the guts to write menopause on that and I was like yeah coming along yep okay coming along and I tell you it's like I literally have created monsters in that group <laughs> when they hear this they're gonna be like ah but, you know, yeah, it's like a big social club. But that's also really important, isn't it? Being in a community and feeling togetherness. For sure. And I think that's why it's worked so incredibly well, because personal training is great. And a lot of people think that's still what I do. And quite rightly so, because they see me on my page and, you know, I'm exercising. But I do a lot more than that. So I have coaching programs that are the whole approach. Obviously, I coach women all over. You do do online courses as well, don't you? So your Empower, Empower, go and search. I will put a link in the show notes. And then you have online courses that people can go and join. Yes, I do a full week that's set at certain times throughout the year that we all do together. But I always have my 12-week Empower coaching program running. And we start off by looking at mindset. You also get task movement. Movement is a given. But what we do is we sit and have a chat about what you're doing at the moment. I have a whole library of videos that are me and that start at 10 minutes long up to about 40 minutes and are focused around strength, hit mobility. So they are made. I recorded those specifically for this program. Again, they've got all those aspects in there. But we also have emails every day. 
Every week you get a video about cognitive function, hormonal changes in the body, energy levels, gut health, sleep and recovery. Throughout those 12 weeks, we have weekly group calls. So we have that community. There's some accountability in the Facebook group. So it's a 360 degree approach. I am a nutrition coach. You know, I am just qualifying as sleep, stress and recovery coach, which is huge in menopause. So those four pillars, which are movement, nourishment, mindset, and obviously accountability, the recovery is in there as well, are the Empower programs, coaching programs. And different pieces of the puzzle are different sizes for everyone. It might be movement for yourself, if you know if that's what you're lacking. But movement is connected to recovery, to nourishment, to mindset, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, PT is great. And if that is one area you particularly struggle with, I would say PT is someone that's going to help you get moving 100%. And also do it correctly. Suddenly, if someone just shifts you or they go, actually, you're over your toes, you need to sit back into your heels a bit more. Whereas when you're just doing it at home with a completely faceless, you know, you've bought a DVD and you're sticking in, then you could be doing it completely wrong. Actually, as I say that, I'm like, or actually, is it just better to be moving even if you're moving slightly wrong? Again, different things work for different people. Home workouts work for some people. I have some clients that just can't do it because they won't find the motivation. So I might task them bits and pieces when they go out on their walk or it might just not work. Essentially, you might need someone that's going to be with you one to one. However, I think the main focus should be whether those workouts are tailored for you. Sometimes even if you're seeing a PT, I've mentored PTs over the years and some of them will just deliver you their workout whatever age or whatever what they're into what they're passionate about that is what you're going to get so all I would say is if you're going to work with a PT a coach a nutritionist or all of the above again ask them what they know about the menopause just ask that question because it is so worthwhile because you could be doing everything that's really going to help you through or you could be doing the opposite. Doing a 25-year-old man's workout. That's probably going to make you feel pretty worse. It's not really ideal. <laughs> and it's probably not going to be enjoyable either. <laughs> My advice would be to find the right person. And don't be afraid to ask what they know about what it is you're going through. And is there an affiliation that you can go to so that you know that someone has got the right training there are personal trainers. Yeah, there's definitely a PT register, essentially. And, you know, your insurance will, you will not get insured if you're not on that, essentially. It's a bit old school and it is changing for the better. There's a company called Simspa who are kind of managing that now and making sure that everything is above board. Saying that, it's not great in this country still, I believe. If you're working in a, a, a gym or anything, there's no way you can be in there if you haven't got qualifications and insurance. If you're self-employed, unfortunately, I know for a fact there are people out there who haven't got either yeah. and will be claiming, using buzzwords to sell things. And so is there somewhere that as a menopausal woman, I can go and look for qualified personal trainers in my area? There's nothing as such. There's not a menopausal directory as yet, not that I'm aware of anyway. Barrel Education, who I did my qualifications with, hold a whole list of all the ladies in the country that have that qualification. That would be amazing. I can put that in the show notes. That would be superb. Saying that now, because menopause is becoming, you know, like its own brand almost. Another buzzword. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, there are so many courses for fitness professionals out there now. You know, it's great. So 
it's growing. I'm really hoping that it will be part of the courses more more commonly soon. I'm aware that we're running out of time, but I just want to end by saying, so what would be your major advice for a woman of our age and saying this is the menopausal exercise that you should be doing? I think the one thing we need to remember is who the audience is. We're looking at women who want to move a bit more, sleep better, feel better about themselves and perhaps lose a few pounds. This does not need to be complicated. Try not to get taken in by the fancy stuff you will see that shows women in not very much clothing, looking good. I'm only doing 12 minute workouts a day and this is me at 50 years old. You know, try if you can to shut that all out. Focus on using your body twice a week, strength wise, testing it, seeing what you can do. And like I said at the beginning, the markers for that is what are you struggling with at the moment? Start with that. Write those down. What are your challenges at the moment? Then think about what you might need, what support you might need to work with those. Strength, 100%. I'm going to say that over and over again. In the industry, menopause, kind of yoga, yoga, Pilates, yoga, Pilates, yoga, Pilates. That's all, you know, the buzzwords. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. And there is aspects to both that will create strength, but that's another conversation. (laughs) But strength work, cognitive function, putting your body through that challenge is a winner every time for me. So that's what I would prioritise. There is a narrative and I've heard it and I was half expecting you to say that actually you shouldn't be doing the high intensity and you shouldn't be running and we should be taking it a lot calmer and being a lot more sort of sedate in our exercise as we grow older. But you're saying, no, keep going. But what if that's not your thing? If that's your thing, then great. But for me, I have tried so many yoga classes and, you know, I've enjoyed some of them, but the majority of it's just not something I enjoy. So for me to be told that I need to go and do yoga because I'm menopausal and stop lifting or not do anything too intense, it's just not going to sit well and it's probably going to make me miserable. I have clients who are runners who are experiencing various issues because of menopause during running. Do I need to stop running? No. Do you want to stop running? No, my God, it's, it's where my mental health, it's, it stops me from killing people. Then don't stop running, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just focus how we can get you stronger so you can run better. So they go hand in hand. At the end of the day, pick a movement that you enjoy and you can always incorporate strength into that, always. If you're a swimmer or if you like to cycle, the stronger you get, the better that's going to get. It helps everything. I am biased, but it does. (laughs) But strength is the key. We should be concentrating on strengthening. A strong and able body, trust me, will give you a strong and able mind. And an ability to live well into our second stage of life, which is what Be More Orca is all about. Yes. Oh, Nikki, thank you so much. You have been fab. It's been great. Thank you again. You can find links to Nikki's website with all her courses and videos and for Burrell education in the show notes. Next time, I'm talking to Sally Neal, Chief Human Resources Officer, about how daily swimming and her dog kept her sane during her menopause and that even minor tweaks and adjustments in the workplace can have a huge impact to ensure that women struggling with their symptoms feel supported to stay in the workforce as they have so much to bring to an organisation. If you want to be more orca... Head to bemoreorcapod.co.uk 
For all the latest on what's coming up, I've cherry-picked articles to keep you informed so you don't have to sift through the news. And become a member. Tell me what matters to you and what questions you want answering. Help shape the pod and help other women just like you so we never have to feel like we're going it alone again. And if you've liked this episode, please subscribe as it helps with those pesky algorithms and lets others find us and become part of our pod. And follow me at b.more.orca for my no-filter menopause diary. Listener.